cochlear implant basic is a site for candidates and their families and friends. If you have been told you qualify for a cochlear implant, these podcast interviews tell how receiving a cochlear implant can be a life-changing experience. You will meet recipients who face a hearing loss and that hearing aids could no longer provide comprehension of speech or music. They face growing isolation, inability to socialize, or compete in the world of business. The joy of music disappeared. They explain how receiving a cochlear implant changed their lives. Welcome to Cochlear Implant Basics. A reminder, Cochlear Implant Basics is not sponsored by anyone, nor is it offering medical advice. Please consult your own healthcare provider. Good morning. This morning we're talking to Isabella Rodriguez, who is a user of a Baja, B-A-H-A, better known as a bone anchor hearing assistance or bone anchor hearing aid. It's used for a different type of deafness. And I know when people come to our site, I've often seen confusion between using a Baja and a cochlear implant. So I'm going to let Isabella tell her story first about her hearing journey, how she lost her hearing, and we'll move on from there. Good morning, Mr. Richard. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm Isabella Rodriguez. I'm 21 years old, and I'm currently a senior at the University of Georgia. So basically, my story starts the day I was born. I was born with conductive hearing loss, and I was born with microtia on my left side, which means absence of an ear. So basically, when I was born, I was born without an ear on my left side. And I was born with bilateral atresia, which means absence of the ear canal. So I was born without an ear canal on both sides, which is what resulted in the conductive hearing loss. Starting at around three months, I started on a Baja soft band. And I wore that all the way up through high school till I got to college. And in May of 2021, I received the OCS surgery. It was a very easy, simple, and painless process. And I can now say that I love my OCA device. I wear it every single day. I wear it everywhere I go. And it benefits me in every single aspect of my life. Do you wear it on both sides, two units or just one? I just have it on one side, the left side that had the microtia. But I do plan on eventually getting the second device on my right side. So you went from the soft band for almost 20 years. And obviously it helped because your speech was excellent. Why did you wait so long to get a Baja? One of the biggest things was some other medical conditions. Once I was pretty much old enough to say that I did want to transition to surgery, because like you said, I was doing so well just with the soft band at the time. It was just best for my parents to decide to just let me continue. And we'll see once I get older. And just some other health conditions popped up. I had arthritis. I was on some medications that would have conflicted with surgery. So once I was older, it was the best decision. Now, the ASIA is a relatively new unit. Can you describe a little bit about the surgery? Why is it different from the traditional Baja, which is a post? Tell us a little bit about that. So the OCI2 is under Cochlear America's 
And the surgery was very simple, painless, quick. A little joke I like to say is that I was in and out of surgery and back home before some of my friends were even awake to start their day. It was over the summer, so I can give them some credit for that. They slept in, but I went in in the morning, talked to my ENT, my surgeon, and the next thing you know, I was awake. So the OSEA, there's an internal device and then an external device. And that internal device is placed underneath the skin and the muscle layers of your head. And they just place it right under. And then they, you know, close you up. I can't even see my scar. My surgeon did such a good job. Uh, she even braided my hair in surgery so she didn't have to shave any off at all. So I woke up with all my hair. It was amazing. As a girl in college, your hair is very important to you. And I had, you know, a bandage on my left side for about 24 hours. But then in another three weeks, I was activated. And I guess the biggest difference from the Baja with the post, like you said, is that there's nothing protruding from my skin. And I really like the idea of something being underneath the skin rather than protruding. There's a little bit less of a risk for infection around the area and just the delicacy around the skin that you would get from that post. You don't really get from the Asia. Now I've known other people who have gotten the Baja and the post is a major issue with them, whether it's infections or bleeding on the pillow. And when they switch to a Asia, those problems disappear. So I'm sure you never face the post. So I have a question about music. How do you deal with music? Is it, does it sound I, natural? I, yeah, I love music. I listen to it all the time. When I walk around campus, when I'm working out, music has always been there for me. I understand some people who lose their hearing later on in life, they kind of lose their touch with music. But for me, I've been blessed enough to always been able to enjoy it. With the Aussia, I can Bluetooth directly from my phone to my Aussia. So another joke I like to make is that I never have to buy any AirPods or headphones because now it streams directly into the Aussia. You saved a little money there. Yeah. I'm going to be very, very curious if you go for a bilateral setup, because as I understand the Baja or the Aussia is working on vibrations. And yeah. I don't understand quite how the left and the right are going to separate those vibrations because they're going to cross. Unlike a cochlear implant where you're going to two sides of the brain directly, there's no real interference. So I'd be very curious. Now, that brings me up to another point. Have you tried using the soft band on the other side? I have not. No. I've grown up with using a device, some sort of hearing technology on just the one side. So I've never personally been curious. Like I said, I do see myself in the future getting that second abutment. And I'm sure that that's something that my audiologist will help me with in terms of, you know, the crossover. I know that there are a lot of different programmings that really try to combat that issue. I also am curious because you are among the younger people I've interviewed for my podcast can you tell me about growing up with the hearing loss and what school was like, what your friends were like? Was there bullying? Was there support? Tell me a little bit about your early life. So from as far back as I could remember, 
preschool, elementary school, even the first part of middle school, for me, having the hearing loss was kind of a cool thing, you know, in show and tell. I would always just pull off, you know, my hearing device to show the entire class. I love answering questions. I wanted people to ask me questions. You know, no one really cared. When you're a kid, you just want someone to play with, you know, that you're not really thinking about those other little things. Were they always in the back of my head? Yes. But were they in the back of other kids' heads? No. But once I started to get a little bit older, the girls started getting meaner. The bullying definitely did come up. In high school, I was on the volleyball team for all four years. It was honestly a horrible experience. They were so mean. Try to use my hearing loss as the reason for our losses, as well as the coach. He would pull me out of the game and say, oh, I'm pulling you out because you can't hear me when you're on the court. That was hard. But as far as support, I have to give all the credit to my mom and my dad. They supported me and advocated for me so much throughout my school years. And I had support from a lot of my teachers that I'm truly blessed for. And that's what I believe made me so successful going through school. So you do in high school, and that's what really when the trouble started. Yeah. Okay. The hormones kick in and everybody gets mean. I guess I get so. <laughs> My question now is about you're in college now. Tell me about how you chose where you went to school and how do you cope in the classroom? Are the professors supportive? Yeah, yeah. Actually, my college experience is a little bit unique. And not only because I've been a college student through COVID-19, that was unique in itself. But my freshman and sophomore year, I was a student at Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C., and I was on the volleyball team there as well. Gallaudet University is a deaf university in Washington, D.C. that caters to the deaf and hard of hearing community. All of my classes were instructed in American Sign Language, so I actually went there a month early to have kind of like an immersive program and learning the language and learning the deaf culture. And honestly, that is where I gained 90% of my confidence in regards to my hearing loss. Because as I said, in high school, I went from, you know, not really noticing a difference between other students to, you know, all those mean kids, the bullying really tore my confidence down, but I gained it all back in Gallaudet. And there, you know, having a hearing loss, it doesn't matter because everything is in American Sign Language. I truly love the school, but with COVID-19, I ended up transferring to the University of Georgia. And that's when I really started to have to advocate for myself again. So I reached out to the Disability Resource Center, set up interviews and meetings with my advisors there. They asked if I needed note-taking, if I needed pre-recorded lectures. At the time during COVID, I did take all of that. I also asked for a preferential seating in the classroom, but with the University of Georgia being as big as it is, you kind of just walk into the classroom and get to sit wherever you want. So I would always choose to sit up at the front. And with the OSEA system, I get this thing called a mini mic. It's part of my you know, disability resource center accommodations that the teachers, the professors, and you have to wear them if I give it to them. So at the start of every class, I come in about three to five minutes early and I place it on their desk and they know that you know, if they want to walk around the class, they need to wear it. Or if they're going to just stay at one spot to teach the class, that they can just leave it on the podium or on their desk. 
You know, that's interesting because I have spoken to or mentored college students before. And when a professor is uncooperative and it happens from time to time, they're resentful of uh, having to make accommodations. Did you experience that at all? Personally, no. I think we've come a long way just as a society to be more accepting of people with, you know, certain conditions, maybe need a little more extra help here and there. So I've been very lucky. Again, I've been taught from a young age to advocate for myself and to be, you know, very straightforward with what I need to be successful. Because for me, I don't play around with my education. I want everything to be accommodated to me because I need them. So I do try to advocate the best I can for myself. Do you use anything like speech-to-text apps when you're in the classroom? Do they work for you? I personally don't use those, no. The mini mic is really helpful for me because it's that direct streaming into the OCR so I can hear the teacher's voice as if I could hear them through AirPods or anything like that. So you're very lucky. You live in an age where they're accommodating disabilities. When I went to school, I, I graduated almost 50 years ago. Trust me, there was nothing like that. My next question has to do with the decibel differences. Do you think there are going to be differences on each side of your head if you got a second one? Have they talked to you about that? Yeah, so there is more of a higher degree of loss in the left ear, which is the ear that is already implanted rather than the right side. So there is a difference of decibels between the two ears. They have talked about... I would actually get a better gain, even though I can hear a little bit better out of the right side. If I were to get that second device, as I said before, that is 100% something that I would talk to my audiologist about. And as far as the programming and, you know, setting everything up goes. You know, this has been very, very interesting. I'm sure it's going to be very helpful to people who want to know the difference between the Baja and the cochlea. The fact that you're basically, you're missing the outer and the middle ear is a problem, which is why the Baja is required in your case. If people want to reach out to you who are candidates, do you have any problem with that? I would love that. Good. You're like me. We help, we feel better by helping people move forward. What are you studying, by the way? I'm studying audiology. Good. Great. Surprising enough. I just finished my fall semester of my senior year in undergrad. So I'm in the process of applying to my graduate programs. Are you going to be doing graduate programs in Georgia or are you looking at other places? So that's the crazy thing. There are no audiology graduate programs in the state of Georgia. I'm very lucky to be attending the University of Georgia, but I'm not very lucky of being an in-state student in Georgia because I'll have to pay out-of-state tuition next year for wherever I decide to go. I think you'll come on down to Florida. I think we have plenty of uh, graduate studies in audiology yeah. down here. The University yeah. of Miami would be fabulous for you. All right, yeah, before we close the interview, is there anything you'd like to tell the audience about your background, about the future, about anything at all? The floor is all yours. I guess my biggest lesson out of all of this is that, you know, you get to choose your own identity and you get to choose how you carry yourself in life. And although hearing loss is something that sets you apart, it sets you apart in the uniquest way. You get this 
whole new perspective on life that everyone else will never understand. It's such a small community and it's important to find comfort and confidence in the small community that you now belong in and to always hold your head up high and just remember that there's nothing that you can't do that someone with typical hearing can. There's so much technology. There's so much support. There's so much information out there to help everyone involved. Isabella, I have to tell you, you are amazing. I really appreciate your time. If you move forward with the second side, we'd love to keep track of how you're doing, whether you do it or not. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. 